So a new year has begun, a new decade even, and we have uh, made a start with reading the Bible in one year. That is our challenge for this year. If you have uh, missed it, it was announced in the past few weeks, if you have missed it, you can still catch up, make a start and join us in reading through this book in one year. But when I thought of it, I thought it's actually strange that we call this a challenge. Why should it be a challenge? I remember when uh, Michelle, my wife, and I were dating many years ago. It wasn't, it wasn't really dating because I was in the Netherlands and she was in Malaysia. So how much of a date is that? But one, one day there came a letter in the mail. A letter for me from Michelle. And um, I really treasured that letter. I didn't, re- I didn't read it straight away. I took it and then I took my bicycle and I cycled to a place at the riverside, not too far from my house. And um, you, you actually were not supposed to go there. You had to climb a fence and then cross somebody's farmland. Um, but I did that to be sure that I would not be disturbed, I would not be interrupted, I would be all alone with my letter from Michelle. I, I still have the letter, of course, I'm not going to say what was in the letter, but I, I remember I counted the pages before I read how many pages. <laughs> and I read slowly, because I didn't want to reach the end, I didn't want to finish it. And here we have the Word of God, 1,252 pages in this edition, and God reveals Himself. And the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me, reveals Himself in this book. I didn't need any help to finish Michelle's letter. And there are people that are reading Lord of the Rings, which also has about the same amount of pages, and they don't consider that to be a challenge. They're quite eager to finish the book. And here we have the Word of God, and we need a challenge, and an app that sends you reminders and stuff to finish this book. Why why is that? It's the Word of God. I wonder what could be the reason that we struggle to read through this book. So I, I have a few ideas about that, but I'm, I wonder what, what are your thoughts? Why would it be so difficult to finish this book? Any ideas? Boring. Yeah. yeah. Language is difficult to understand. Yeah. Many names are hard to pronounce, yeah. Yeah, correct. I think the modern people are more interested in the modern, I mean the latest news in the world than this book which is written out. Yeah, not so relevant. Maybe, yeah, old-fashioned. Any more ideas? 
satanic opposition that somebody keeping us from reading the book. Yeah. Very, very important, yeah. yeah. Anything else? Yeah, like you, you need to have a, you need to know a lot of context to, to actually make sense of, yeah. That's 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 true. Anything else? I have one more here. There's quite a number of stories that are hard to swallow, especially in the Old Testament. That makes you shy away a bit. I remember my mom when she got just saved. She said, I didn't read Revelation. Too scary. I, I can understand. Yeah. I think the Bible basically is not a love letter written by a young woman to a young man. It is God, who is not a man, communicating with people. It is the Creator revealing Himself to us creatures. Just imagine that. And I try to explain what I mean by a bit of a crazy illustration. Imagine you have to explain to a cricket what the wedding is like. So this is the, the very quiet cricket, if you might remember this cricket. The wedding. So how, how am I going to explain that to a cricket? Well, it's a feast that will last the whole day and uh, there's a lot of people and they look very happy and they dress nicely and there's a lot of food. Are you still with me, cricket? So the cricket says, yes, I can understand that. So, okay, and then at some point, the bride and the groom, that is the two people getting married, they are going to exchange vows. And the cricket says, wait, what's a vow? Well, um, a vow is something that you promise. Um, so this, this man and this woman, they promise that they're going to be faithful to each other for the rest of their lives. Faithful? What is faithful? Well, that is, um, they, they, they will always be there for each other. Let's put it that way till one of them dies. And the cricket says, oh wow, why? <laughs> well, because they love each other. Love? Yeah, uh, love, that is uh, love. <laughs> ne never mind, never mind. Um, they decided to share everything and live in the same house and sleep in the same bed and and they promise that first before uh, they do that and, and that's why they're having this feast. And the cricket says, cool. And what are you having for lunch today? <laughs> you see, the cricket is not very excited about this wedding thing and I feel like I haven't even started explaining the essence of a wedding, of marriage. It's not about the food. It's, it's not about the bed. But how much can you explain to a cricket? See, a wedding is great and marriage is profound. You and I, we know that. 
but the cricket is not excited because he is a cricket. But listen, cricket, I want you to grasp this. And it's going to take a while before you understand. And I, I will need to explain a lot of things. And you might feel somewhere along the road to, that you want to give up, but stay with me. I promise you, you're not going to regret it. And in fact, I will need to take you all the way back to Genesis, to the Garden of Eden. Are you in for it? And the cricket says, yes, why not? So that's an illustration. So much for the cricket. Now back to ourselves. We also started in the Garden of Eden, January 1st. We started reading, right? Those of us who are in this challenge, we started in Genesis chapter 1, Garden of Eden, and we will read through the whole Bible, and in December, we will end with the marriage of the Lamb in Revelation. And we are not cricket. We are intelligent human beings created in the image of God. And yet, probably the distance between us and this cricket is in fact smaller than the distance between us and the Almighty God. And yet, God gives us His Word and His Spirit, Spirit, very important, because He wants us to somewhat grasp of what is in His heart. Now, I don't think there is such a thing as God having a problem or God having a challenge. God is too great for having problems. But to just put it very humanly, you can just imagine God going like, how on earth, or maybe I should say, how in heaven, am I going to explain what is in my mind and in my heart to these human beings? And you know what is so amazing? We are part of the story. We are not like this cricket trying to learn something that is cool, interesting, great, but not relevant in the end for this cricket. But we, limited human beings, we are made by God and for God. We are part of this story. The Almighty and Eternal God, Father, Son and Spirit, this God is love, this God is good. And when I say He made us for Himself, that is for His glory, this is not narcissism. You understand what I'm saying? When God says, I make you for my glory, this is not narcissism. It is, in fact, the greatest gift He could give us. You see, He made the Garden of Eden. And there was a gift to Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, they would say, wow, this is glorious. And it would make them happy. They would experience joy because of the glory of that garden. And he made Eve, and he gave Eve to Adam, and Adam went like, 
wow, you're so beautiful. And that made them both happy. What could be more glorious and more beautiful than God himself? So God made us for himself so that we would say for all eternity, you are so glorious, you are so beautiful. And that will fill us with utmost joy for all eternity. God gave himself to us so that we would delight in him forever. And that is the greatest gift that he could give us. He is love and he is good. And so the Bible is not a book about us so much, but rather about God revealing himself and his son, Jesus Christ. And since this book is about God, and since we are limited human beings, we sometimes feel like crickets trying to grasp what a wedding is about. And maybe therefore we consider it to be a challenge to read through the Bible and to understand it. Not because God's story is boring, or because his purpose is not great, but because we are so limited. And not just limited, we are also fallen. We read that, right, in Genesis chapter 3, earlier last week, when Adam and Eve fell and sinned. And since then, we are not only very small compared to God, but in many ways, we are opposite to Him because of sin in us. But the good news is, when we trust Christ with our sins, when we trust and believe that He died for our sins and settled this sin issue, the Bible says we have become a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5. Even partakers of the divine nature, says 2 Peter 1. And it is then that slowly we start to grasp more and more of who God is and we start to grow in our delight in Him as we read through the Bible. And it is interesting that even Jesus Himself, when He was on earth, really occupied Himself with the Word of God. <coughs> when He was 12 years old, He was sitting in the temple having some sort of Bible study, really, with the Pharisees, listening, asking questions, they were discussing. I'm sure it was about the Bible, the Old Testament. And Joseph and Mary were looking for him, they couldn't find him, and finally they found him in the temple having this Bible study, and they are quite upset with him. And then Jesus very gently asked them, did you not know I must be in the things of my Father? See, for him, spending time in the Word was spending time with his Father. And so it is for us. And then after his resurrection, many years later, when he walks with those two disciples on the way to Emmaus, if you're familiar with the story, he explains to them how the books of Moses, that is the beginning part of the Bible, and all the prophets, that is what follows, speak of him. 
And when he, Jesus, opened the scriptures for them and starts to explain and show that this is about him, we read in Luke that their hearts start to burn, really glow in them. They become so excited when they start to discover Christ in all of the scriptures. Does it make sense? Do you know Jesus? Do you love him? If you say, yes, I know Jesus, I love him. So how do you know him? Well, through this book. I've never seen him, I never met him physically. But yet I love him, yet I know him through this book. That is how I got to know him. And he is there everywhere, not only the Gospels. Throughout the Bible, this book is about Jesus. And then when Jesus, at the start of his ministry, is tempted by Satan. You remember that story? In the desert, Satan comes, tries to tempt him. Jesus defeats Satan just by quoting from one single book from the Bible, the book of Deuteronomy. Satan comes and the answer is, it is written, Deuteronomy 8. It is written, Deuteronomy 6. It is written, Deuteronomy 6. He knew his Bible. Satan knew the Bible too. Satan in that story was also quoting scriptures. But he was very selective. When Satan starts quoting scripture to you, you can be quite sure there will be uh, some twist or some turn in it. And Jesus, Jesus didn't fall for it. We also need to really know what the Bible says. Because Satan is smart. And he has a lot of experience. So how are we going to stand strong? It is by knowing and applying the word of God. And Jesus himself gave us that example. When Jesus was hungry, Satan suggested in Matthew chapter 4, If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus quoted these words from Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. In that chapter, Moses is talking to the Israelites and he says, The Lord your God humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So God gave manna to the Israelites. And let me briefly share a few thoughts on that, that manna, because I think there are lessons for us to learn as we read through the Bible this year. So please turn to Exodus chapter 16. Finally, we're going to actually open this book. Exodus 16. reading from verse 1. 
so to give a bit of context, this is about Israel. Uh, quite shortly after they were delivered out of Egypt, and they are, as a nation, probably two and a half million people traveling through the desert, the wilderness, and Moses is their leader. Chapter 16, verse 1, they set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died in the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Then verse 11, And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, that's a quail as a bird. And in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall take each take an omer, according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. Verse 29. See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers, made with honey. So that was quite a lot of 
details. Let's try to unpack this a bit. We have the Israelites coming out of Egypt, and in Egypt they were slaves. They were brick makers. And they got beaten up when they didn't meet their target for the day. Their sons were drowned in the Nile River. That was what Egypt was like for them. But it really seems that in this chapter that we read, verse 3, they are suffering from what I call selective memory disorder. They talk about the meat pots and the bread that they had in Egypt. Have they really forgotten the rest? And when you read this, you wonder whether whether it was actually really true. Did they really have those meat pots in Egypt? They didn't even have straw to make those bricks. They had to look for it themselves. I'm not sure whether their dinners were as good as it seems to be here in verse 3. But then they are freed from slavery by God himself. May you read uh, through those chapters and we actually we have done that in our Exodus Bible study which I really recommend to join. We will start again um, tomorrow resume our studies in this chapter actually chapter 15 uh, 16. So if you want to learn more please join. It's amazing, an amazing story how God delivers them out of Egypt with miracles and and, and wonders. They have crossed the Red Sea and now they are in the wilderness, verse 1. And then they are hungry and God provides what he calls bread from heaven, verse 4. Now I think here is the application for us. We were not slaves in Egypt, but we were slaves to sin. And Satan was our master. And we belong to this world that is really ruled by Satan. Even today. But we are set free. Jesus paid the price for our sins. And we are redeemed people. So we are still in this world, but no longer part of this world. And so this world becomes a wilderness to us, a desert. There is nothing for us in this world anymore. Maybe you say, oh, I have my, uh, I have my work, I have my house, my family, my car, my bank account, all these things I have in this world. Well, that's true. And nothing wrong with that. But this world is not our home. We are citizens of another world. We are traveling. And our desires have changed. Our ambitions have changed. Our mindset has changed. And when, when people, non-believers, really sit down and talk to us. And get to know us. And see what motivates us they really think we are strange. And true enough, we are strangers in this world. We are looking forward 
to another world. We are not living here as if this is all that there is. We are looking forward to another world. Does that sound familiar? Can you, can you relate to that? Or do you say, well, to be honest, I'm actually quite at home here. 2020 is going to be great. I have, I have a plan. I have it all planned out already. Are you living as if this world is all there is? Are you in your heart returning to Egypt as the Israelites did? And are you also suffering from selective memory disorder? Have you forgotten what this world really is like? And have you forgotten that it is Satan who is working behind the scenes? Don't get me wrong, I'm, I do hope you enjoy life. And I hope you work and you plan and all these things. And that basically you live life to the full. I hope you do, but I also hope that at the same time you can see that this world is a wilderness, a desert that ultimately has nothing to offer. And that is when the manna comes in. When this world is a wilderness to our hearts, God provides food for our souls. John chapter 6 makes it very clear what that food is. Jesus says in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus in John 6 makes application. He says, that manna, that's me. Jesus himself is for us what manna was for the Israelites. He is our food. He is our nourishment. He not just gives all that we need. He himself is all that we need. This desert of a world has nothing to offer. But there is bread from heaven for us. So how does that bread, how does Jesus come to us? How do we feed on him? Well, of course, through his word, the Bible. For the Bible reveals him both in the Old and in the New Testament. And that is not just, you know, a whole collection of verses and chapters that all say something about Jesus. It is actually a story beginning in Genesis, a story that runs through the whole Bible all the way to Revelation. It is God's story. The story is about God and about the son of his love. And we by grace have become part of that story. We are to share in that love, in that relationship that God has with his own son. We are to share in that relationship. So therefore we live on this planet on this earth but our hearts and minds are with him in heaven already and so we need this food this bread from heaven but as we read just now in chapter 16 the, the manna doesn't so like fall from the sky right, right into your mouth right 
the Israelites had to camp up in the morning and actually gather, collect for the day as much as they could eat. Verse 18. Not once every week, like on, on Sunday when you go to church or something, every day. They couldn't keep it for the next day. It needed to be fresh. Verse 19. Every day. They had to gather it in the morning before the sun grew hot. Because when the sun grew hot, it melted. And I think the application is very clear. It's a very detailed picture of a daily Bible reading practice. Daily, every day fresh, in the morning. And I'm not going to be legalistic about this in the morning. If you want to do it in the afternoon or in the evening, that's, that's fine. I realize that for a lot of us, mornings are rest hours and not the best time to read three chapters. That's perfectly all right. And, and, and many of us do wake up at crazy hours. Many of you, not, not me, <laughs> wake up at crazy hours like five in the morning. So I'm not going to be legalistic like you have to read your three chapters in the morning. Not at all. But do make sure that you eat, you feed on the word before the sun grows hot. Before the demands and challenges and busyness of the day melt away the food. Those of us who have children, let's read verse 16 again. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the people that each of you has in his tent. As parents, we do need to make sure that we are not just feeding on the world ourselves, that we need to gather for our children as well. They need the same food. It's very obvious, when we don't eat, we die. When our children don't eat, they die. And we as parents need to make sure that they are eating as well, feeding on the word. They might not eat as much, and maybe we need to prepare it differently. But it is the same manna, it is the same bread of heaven. It is the same Jesus that they need. So please do make sure that you have your children with you as you go through this book, as you go through the Bible. Make sure that they also read the Bible consistently in a translation that they can understand. And read with them, explain, help them lead them on so that slowly knowledge and understanding will come and not just for the sake of knowledge and being the best in their Bible knowledge class but for the sake of growing in love with Jesus he is that manna that came down softly morning after morning it was says verse 14 it was small fine as frost. Verse 31, it was white and the taste was sweet. 
And there you see Jesus in the Gospels, pure and gentle and meek and lowly of heart. He said, come to me and I will give you rest. Very interesting, in Exodus chapter 16 we find rest. Verse 30, the seventh day was the Sabbath. It's introduced here, a day of rest, because when we feed on Jesus, we find rest. And there is no real peace apart from Jesus. He said, come to me. And then he also said, learn from me. So basically, bottom line of what I'm trying to say is, please read this book. And not just read on me, but pray first, Lord, speak to me. I want to hear, I want to see, I want to listen. Pray for the help of the Spirit. Because we are really like that cricket. These things are beyond what we can comprehend. It is the God of the universe, the Creator, communicating with us. We do need His Spirit to even make sense of it. So pray first and then read day after day consistently. Finally, one more thing I want to point out from this chapter, verse 32. Exodus 16, verse 32. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness. When I brought you out of the land of Egypt, and Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar, and put an omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna forty years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. So the Lord provided for their daily need all those years in the wilderness. And we, we have more than enough in this book for our lives. No matter how old you grow, there will be enough in this book for our entire life. Enough to believe and enough to follow Him till we reach that promised land. And John says it in uh, John 20 verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book but these, what we have here, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. But there is more. There is more than this book. Read John's final words in his gospel. John 21, 25. Now there are so many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that could be written. There is more, in fact. There is so much more about Jesus. Too bad John didn't write it down. Nobody wrote it down. We will never know it. 
or will be. You see, when the Israelites reach that promised land, the manna stopped coming. But there was a jar with manna that they kept and that they brought into the promised land. And Hebrews 9 actually tells us that this manna was put in a golden pot and that pot was put in the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark also um, of gold, wood covered with gold, was sitting in the most holy place. So it was really this golden pot of manna hidden in the Ark, hidden in the most holy place. The people never saw that. Even the priest never saw that. The high priest who could enter the most holy place only once a year would never see this golden pot because no way that he would not open up the ark. It was sitting there only for God to see. Right next to the Ten Commandments, the two, the two uh, tablets that were also uh, sitting in that ark. This speaks of Christ, the bread of heaven. This manna in that golden pot speaks of Christ who lived here on earth and we have the gospels and let's read it and enjoy it but there was so much more to Jesus that only God enjoyed as I said the people didn't see that the priest, the high priest they never saw that manna but God saw it always, always and he opened up the, the heavens and he said, This is my beloved son in whom I am so, so well pleased. God himself was enjoying this manna in that golden pot. If I may put it that way. There's so much that wasn't written down, says John in his gospel. But read what John says in Revelation 2. 17 and I find this extremely amazing to him that overcomes to him will I give of the hidden manna we sang just now that we will overcome not I but Christ in me when we have trusted Christ we will overcome not because we managed to finish the whole Bible in one year it is not I, but Christ in me. And so we will overcome. One day we will reach that other shore, heaven. What will heaven be like? Imagine we ask God the question, God, what will heaven be like? That sounds a bit like a cricket asking what a wedding is like. So God explains it to, to us in Revelation a bit in a cricket way so that we small human beings can understand it. Revelation 21 verse 4 There will be no tears death shall be no more no mourning no crying no pain can we understand that? Yeah. Makes us very happy actually. It's a bit like explaining what a wedding is like. People are dressed up nicely, there is nice food, 
and all these things. So God is explaining heaven. No tears, no death, no crying, no pain. Extremely comforting. But this is cricket language. Verse 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Are you still with me, little cricket? So when I read this, I, I'm lost already. I, there's too much going on here. I, I feel I'm short of a few dimensions. It is as if God is saying, wait, wait, my son, my daughter, till you're there with me. To him that overcomes, to him will I give of the hidden manna. What a day when we meet our Savior face to face. This Jesus whom we know and love now, through the consistent reading of this book, day by day. So that when we reach heaven that day, and he might come back this year, even today, we really don't know what this year will bring. It might be the year that we meet him face to face. And when we read through this book, his word, with the help of the Spirit, he will not be a stranger when we meet him. We will say, I know you, I love you. And yet, there will be so much more to discover. Because then comes eternity, then comes that hidden manna. Christ will come and reveal himself. And we will rejoice in his glory. We will not be like crickets anymore. We will have glorified bodies. We will be forever freed from our fallen nature and from sin. We will not have limitations. We will see face to face. And we will know fully. 1 Corinthians 13. And Christ will always be new. There will be always more. And we will never reach the end of Christ. Shall we pray? Father, we do realize that we are so limited. And therefore, we need help to read through your word. And we thank you for the help that we can offer each other by reading through your word together this year and help us to do so and to do so consistently and help each other to um, carry on. We even thank you for a wonderful app and a program that has been developed and a very uh, helpful uh, movie fragments that help us to understand the story really that you are sharing with us from Genesis to Revelation. But we are really limited. We are trying to grasp, grasp something that is divine. We pray that you will help us to be excited about this. We do want to know you. And we do want to trust you. For everything that will come our way in this new year. 
for everything that is happening around us, all the things that we do not understand. We are limited, but we trust you. We trust that you are love and that you are good. We pray, Father, that this year we will grow in our appreciation of you, that we will know you better, so that when the day comes that we meet you face to face, Jesus, you will not be a stranger to us. You will be the one that we know, the one that we love. And then we look forward to eternity, where we will always learn more and new glories of you that are now hidden. We commit ourselves into your hands for this week. In the Lord Jesus' name, Amen.